Hello everyone and welcome to the August 8th edition of WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Foles with Floyd, Scarron and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started with our litigation report. The Court of Appeal rejected the en banc decision of the WCAB in the controversial case of Wanda Olgavy versus the city and county of San Francisco. Specifically, the court rejected the mathematical formula devised by the WCAB, pointing out that nothing in Senate Bill 899 authorizes or compels the calculation of an alternative diminished earning capacity adjustment factor. The court said that when the WCAB devised this new methodology, they acted in excess of their authority. Thus, the formula specified in the unbank opinion can no longer be used. The Court of Appeal did agree that the DFEC component of the rating formula can still be rebutted in three ways. An employee may challenge the scheduled percentage by showing a factual error in the calculation of a factor in the rating formula or application of the formula. They may also show the omission of medical complications aggravating the employee's disability in the preparation of the schedule, or they may demonstrate that due to the industrial injury, the employee is not amenable to rehabilitation and therefore has suffered a greater loss of future earning capacity than reflected in the scheduled rating. However, the Court of Appeal did not provide any specific guidance on how this is to be done. Instead, they left it to the WCAB to prescribe the exact method for such a recalculation. Some legal experts have expressed concern that the new decision raises more questions than it answers. A New York judge dealt a blow to mandatory arbitration clauses in workers' compensation policies, ruling that a charter subsidiary cannot compel arbitration in a dispute with an employment agency. The decision by the New York Supreme Court denied the petition of National Union Fire Insurance Company to force arbitration with Source 1 staffing. At issue is whether California insurance law is preempted by the Federal Arbitration Act. An arbitration clause in Source 1's workers' compensation program forced it to participate in arbitration out of its own state. Source 1 argued the arbitration and forum selection clause were not valid under California law because state law required all workers' compensation policies to be filed within the state insurance department and the insurer had not done so. The insurance company invoked the Federal Arbitration Act in its defense. The court determined that the McCarran-Ferguson Act upholds the validity of the California law. Last year, then-California Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger vetoed legislation that would have required all disputes between an employer and a workers' compensation insurer to be resolved under the terms of California law and in a California venue and forum. The bill would have stopped insurers from taking disputes with California businesses to other states unless both parties agree. And now our fraud report. Nazar al-Busam a medical doctor who maintained clinics in Downey and the Westlake District pleaded guilty to federal narcotics charges for distributing powerful and addictive painkillers to patients he did not examine and who simply paid cash for prescriptions. 
Albusom came to the attention of the DEA in 2007 when a review of their databases indicated Albusom was among the top 10 prescribers of controlled substances in the Los Angeles area. In addition, several pharmacies in the Los Angeles area had contacted the DEA regarding his unusual and suspicious prescribing practices. A subsequent investigation noted that several of his patients were arrested in California and Texas for illegally selling drugs prescribed by the doctor. Undercover operatives then went to his clinic and purchased prescriptions for various controlled substances, paying $200 in cash for each prescription on the first visit and $100 in follow-up visits. The DEA investigation estimated that in recent years, the doctor received well over $1 million annually from illicit prescriptions. He was arrested along with two of his employees, Rosemary Mendoza, 75, of West Covina, and Santiago Mendoza, 82, of Corona. Santiago Mendoza has pleaded guilty and is scheduled to be sentenced later this year. Rosemary Mendoza entered into a diversion agreement with the United States. In the plea agreement, Albusam agreed to forfeit more than $450,000 that was seized by authorities in the course of this investigation. As a result of his guilty pleas, Albusam faces a statutory maximum sentence of 230 years in federal prison, a lifetime period of supervised release, and a fine of up to $11.5 million. A proposal to use workers' compensation insurance as a tool to weed out illegal contractors won preliminary approval from the Butte County Supervisors last week. On a three-to-one vote, the board directed staff to come up with a detailed plan for a pilot program that would require contractors and owner-builders to obtain workers' compensation insurance when they get permits to do roofing or swimming pool work. At its core, the proposal is seen as a way to create a level playing field between licensed and unlicensed contractors. Licensed contractors purchase workers' compensation insurance for their employees. Unlicensed individuals working in the so-called underground economy sometimes work on a strictly cash basis and don't buy insurance. There is a statewide call among licensed contractors to attack the issue of the underground economy. The proposal being considered by Butte County is the first of its kind statewide. Officials from the Contractor State License Board said the state is interested in seeing this pilot program work. They will assign someone from the state to work in Butte County to do outreach and education services. Federal officials launched a nationwide computer system this month to spot suspicious Medicare claims to prevent billions of dollars from flowing to criminal enterprises. It works much like credit card systems that raise alerts about suspicious purchases. Predictive modeling in the new federal system will examine the millions of Medicare claims filed each day to look for signs of fraud. Targeted enforcement in South Florida Ground Zero for Medicare fraud has been expanded nationwide and has become the model program. In fact, investigators in South Florida have discovered criminal networks extending from Miami to Detroit, Houston, and Los Angeles. Over the past nine months, federal prosecutors in South Florida have charged 102 defendants with submitting $441 million in fraudulent claims. 
Since 2007, Medicare fraud strike forces across the country have charged more than 1,000 defendants who billed Medicare for more than $2.3 billion of fraudulent claims. Nobody knows just how much money has been lost to Medicare fraud, but estimates range up to $60 billion a year. Pre-employment integrity testing for businesses has become more popular. An increasing number of independent organizations and publications are now suggesting this tool. And leading corporations are using integrity testing to cut workers' compensation costs and to avoid other expensive employee-driven liabilities, including theft, fraud, and substance abuse. HR Magazine just released a new article on the topic, and a recent Journal of Business and Psychology report touted up to 500% reductions in workers' compensation costs saved by integrity testing. The articles note that companies such as AT&T and Hospitality Management Corporation now require pre-hire integrity testing. Industry estimates that about 44% of employees at retail have integrity problems, resulting in $17 billion in losses annually. Experts also claim that integrity testing before hiring can reduce work comp payouts by as much as 60%. Employers, however, must also consider the risk of employment law litigation by employees whenever pre-employment decisions are made based upon the results of these tools. And in regulatory news, the Division of Workers' Compensation announced that Rosa Moran was sworn in as the new administrative director. Moran is a former workers' compensation attorney who gained over 15 years of experience handling workers' compensation cases before becoming a DWC administrative law judge in the Oakland District Office in 2005. Moran will oversee the DWC's diverse programs while managing a staff of over 1,000 and a budget of $155 million. Moran received her undergraduate degree from the University of the Pacific in Stockton and a law degree from the University of San Francisco School of Law. She is an active lecturer and at attorney conferences and risk management seminars. She is also a judge liaison member of the Bay Area Bench and Bar Association and is the author of many seminal decisions in the workers' compensation arena. Marana said she is honored to begin working with all parties to ensure that the system is healthy, balanced, and sustainable. And in regulatory news, Governor Brown signed a law that extends the right of film and entertainment production companies to hire payroll firms to handle obligations such as paying taxes, union dues, and workers' compensation and other insurance. The Motion Picture Association of America, the Screen Actors Guild, and Entertainment Partners supported the new law, which passed the State Senate 37-0 and the State Assembly 73-0. Assemblyman Mike Gatto sponsored the bill, calling payroll companies crucial to the entertainment industry. Production companies often form specifically to make single projects. When those projects are completed, the production companies shut down. Payroll companies take on many of the legal obligations which production companies would otherwise perform and which employers in other industries perform in the regular course of their business. 
a law that allowed the payroll companies to handle these responsibilities and let them act as employer of record was set to expire on January 1, 2012. The new law, AB 55, affects Section 679 of the Unemployment Insurance Code by removing the expiration date. And in financial news, although the full effects of Obamacare on the workers' compensation industry remains to be seen, initially experts have seen it as a double-edged sword for medical costs. A positive note, hospitals may have less of a need to cost shift to workers' compensation since more people will be covered by insurance. However, other providers may cost shift more to workers' comp due to cuts in Medicare reimbursement. Finally, as Obamacare leads to new regulations in the health insurance industry, ultimately this may have a trickle-down effect to the workers' compensation industry as jurisdictions adopt similar regulations. Obamacare aside, the recession has presented its own set of challenges for the workers' comp industry. Employers under financial pressure to reduce overall claim costs are seeing a reduction in claim frequency, but an increase in severity and duration. The potential to mitigate claim severity may be impacted by the unavailability of regular or light-duty jobs and the lack of available capital to settle claims. At the same time, medical treatment costs continue to increase and regulatory oversight is becoming more aggressive in some cases as jurisdictions look for their own increased revenue. In addition, insurers may be dealing with reduced premium revenue as businesses negatively impacted by the recession cancel their policies or default on premium payments. Also, as employers struggle with their own finances during the recession, premium fraud is a potential concern. Finally, insurers may have seen the recession negatively impact their available reserves and their stock prices. During the recession, workers' compensation third-party administrators have also seen a reduction in revenue due to reduced claim frequency while working to meet the needs of an increasingly demanding client base. The TPA industry is under pressure to maintain claim handling quality and reduce claim duration and costs for their clients despite reduced revenues and reduced availability of mitigation tools. The recession presents the entire workers' compensation industry with an increased risk of fraud as well. The increased number of layoffs caused by the recent downturn in the economy has insurance investigators watching for possible increases in spurious injured worker claims. According to a May 18th National Insurance Crime Bureau Suspicious Claims Report, the number of suspicious workers' compensation claims for the first quarter of 2011 was up 24% overall. And in other news, Pacific Compensation Insurance Company has appointed Todd Hines as its new loss control manager. He will lead the loss control department in providing policyholders with guidance on how to comply with state and national safety requirements and how to establish a strong culture of safety within their workplaces. Hines will report to John Sigler, Vice President and Chief Sales and Field Services Officer. Hines has more than 25 years of experience in loss control. Most recently, he headed safety management systems, providing customers with safety programs, training, job site inspections, and loss investigations. Prior to this position, Hines worked as a safety and loss control expert at many leading risk and insurance companies. James Little, president and CEO of Pacific Comp, said that Todd 
has a successful track record of helping California employers reduce their workers' compensation risk profile. That's all our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, for past editions of our news, and for much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone, your iPad, or your iPod by searching for WorkComp Academy in the iTunes Store. Again, I'm Renee Foles with Floyd, Scarron, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. And please drop by again next week for more news.